We're in a series called Lord Willing, and according to Pastor Chris, uh, it's Lord Willing and the creek don't rise, right? If you heard his message, <laughs> message from last week. So um, as we jump into the message here today, I want to remind everybody that I'm the nice pastor, okay? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the one that loves people. I'm, a, I'm the, 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 the grandpa pastor. I'm a pop to the, the, the kids, the grandkids there. And uh, so, um, uh, so today, everything that I say, you know, is just going to be nice. It's going to be filled with love, and uh, it's not going to be offensive. It's not going. It's not going to sting or hurt us. Amen. It's just going to be. It's going to be good for us, right? And, and so, how many people think we're in a place and time in our world and our lives? We just need to quit being so thin-skinned. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just every time, man, somebody says something we don't like or says something that doesn't make us feel all warm and fuzzy, uh, <clears throat> then all of a sudden, what are we doing? We're getting upset. We're getting our feelings hurt. We kind of reject them, build walls and all that kind of stuff. And, and what ultimately happens is we, uh, we end up never learning anything. We, we, we never grow. We never mature. We, 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 we stay just um, constricted. And that's not God's plan for us today. As a matter of fact, today our title is The Lord's Will is Living Water. And we want to drink of everything that God has for us so we can be all God wants us to be. Amen? Everybody agree with that? I, absolutely. So I, let, me, let me just mention to you this morning that I'm not going to read every scripture that we talk about, all right? We've got, I've got a lot of scripture that I want to go through today. So I want to encourage you uh, to take some notes. So either take some notes on your phone, write down the scriptures, take screenshots, whatever. Uh, do it the old-fashioned way with, um, you know, pen and, and paper there. But, um, but I, I really am. I'm, I'm so thankful. I believe God's got a word for us today. So let me, let me pray. Let's, let me pray for us today. Father, I do. I, I just thank you for your people I really um, agree with what Corey said. It's a time, God, for your people to unify, and to unify in love, to pray one for another, to love each other, to serve each other. And, and God, I thank you today for what you desire for your people, your, that you, you really do. You provide for us everything we need through Jesus Christ, his finished work, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And today we say, God, we're ready to receive. Come on, let's say it. We're ready to receive, God. Let's say it together. We're ready to receive. God, all you have for us in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So in setting the stage, I want to remind us that, that God has a plan, a beautiful plan for each and for every one of you. Is that Turn, turn to the person beside you say, he's talking about you, okay? God's got a plan, a beautiful plan, an amazing plan, a wonderful plan for, um, for each and every one of us. And, and it really is. It, it goes so far beyond what we can even think or what we can imagine. And, um, and I believe we want to step into it. We, we, he wants us to know that uh, how much he loves us and what his thoughts about us are. As a matter of fact, I love in 1 Peter chapter 2 where he talking, God's talking to the people of God through Peter. And he says this, he says, you are a chosen race. We're chosen by God. Anybody glad to be chosen? Was anybody ever the last one chosen? I think I was the last one chosen a lot of times. You remember picking teams? And I said, like, well, I guess if we have to take him, then we'll take right? But, uh, but that's not how God is, man. You're a, chosen, uh, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, a people that he loves and he wants close and that he has purpose for. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness 
and into his marvelous. Anybody glad to be out of darkness and into his marvelous? Come on, you need to be more glad than that. You need to be, anybody glad to be out of darkness and into the light? Man, I am glad to be in the light. And he goes on and he says, because of this, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. When he says sojourners and exiles, what he's talking about, he's talking about kind of pilgrims, people that are on a journey, people that are just taking a trip. This isn't home, right? That we're just passing through. And so he says, I remind you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul which war against your soul. We've got to understand that there are things outside that war against us, but there's also some things that are right with us every day that war against us and that are not going to be beneficial and helpful for us. So we need to abstain from those things. We need to put those things aside so that we can keep your conduct, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers... Now this was written. Uh, th- this was written uh, in two thousand, just a little short of two thousand years ago. That when you do good, people are going to speak evil about you. How many people know that sometimes, even when you do good, people speak evil about you? Okay, we, we know they're going to speak evil about us when we do bad, right? But sometimes that no matter what you do, no matter how you cook the food, no matter what goes on, they're just not going to like you, all right? They're just, they're, they're going to speak evil of you. And so the scripture here says that when they speak evil about you, they may see your good deeds, see your good works, and glorify God. What, what he's saying here is that as we pass through this life, pass through this world, Let us live so full of his presence, so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of love and good works that even when they say bad things about us, they're going to be embarrassed because our good deeds show that what they're saying is not true. Isn't that a great, wouldn't that be a great way to live? Wouldn't that be great if all God's people lived that way? Well, that's God's plan for each and for every one of us. And it reminds us, It reminds me for us to keep in mind, one of the things I think we have to have as believers is an eternal perspective. We've got to remember that that, that earth is not home. Amen? We've got to remember America is not home, okay? Now, and I'm not brave enough to say Texas isn't home, okay? I'm just not, but, right? I'm not brave enough to go there, But, but we're passing through. We're on a journey and can I tell you that people on a journey live different. Just when, when you're on a journey, you, you think about things different. Um, I, I'm not much of a hiker. I know there's some people here that they like to go hiking and, and climb mountains and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but people that when you're on a journey, um, there's things that you carry with you that you wouldn't normally carry. And there's things that you don't carry, right? One of the necessities of life is fresh water. And if you're going on a journey, what's one of the things you always want to have with you? You want to have fresh water. You really do. And, and if you're going on a long journey, you can't carry enough water with you to sustain you. So you know what you need to do? You need to find some places where fresh water is available. Here in our area, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We've got a lot of lakes and, um, and, and rivers and streams. And so you can be out and about and you can, you can find fresh water. 
But you know, that's not true in every place. As a matter of fact, um, that, that there are some places, especially in desert areas, and, and just for your information, that most of the Bible, most of the context of the Bible is written from a, a desert, from a Middle Eastern perspective, okay, in a Middle Eastern setting. So the, the people who lived there, when they were traveling, they always had to know where the, the springs were, or they had to know where there were some wells where they could draw water from, uh, because that was what was going to sustain them, and that was what was going to keep them, keep them alive. Um, when Yvette and I first moved to the Bahamas, we, uh, we, we moved to this island, and, um, and on this island, there was no fresh water. There, there wasn't any fresh water source, and so um, they, every house had a cistern, and a cistern is a holding tank, but usually made out of concrete, and the water, would, when it rained, the water would come down the roof, go through the gutter, and into the cistern. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't just water that went into the cistern a lot of times. There was, there was dirt, and there was garbage, and there was bugs, and there was amoeba, and all different kinds of uh, stuff that would be in the water. And so to help keep the water clean, to help keep the water purified, um, it brought Yvette a lot of comfort <laughs> when, we, when she found out that what we would do is you'd put little teeny fish in the water so the fish could eat all the junk that was in the water. Well, after the fish ate all the junk, guess what they did? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they would uh, expel, <laughs> you know, the stuff. And so every now and then, you would have to drain the water from one side of the tank to the other and get in there and scoop out all of the fish stuff, you know, and... What I'm saying is that, that, that cisterns can get nasty, cisterns can get stale. It doesn't always provide you with fresh water. It doesn't always provide you with, a, with fresh water. You know, this, this, uh, that, this may sound like, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, it reminds me of a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 2. It says this. It says, has a nation changed its gods even though they, na- they are no gods? Now, we could just stop right there and park there for a little while. Has a nation changed its gods? Has it forsaken gods and gone after things that really are no God? You know, I think that's a question that not only America asks, but there's nations all over the world that are asking that question today. What are we really, what's, what are we really basing our life on? And so he goes on, he says this, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. My, my people have, have made a decision to not, to not stay focused on, not, not drink from that which gives them life, but they've gone after other things. And he says this, be appalled, O heavens. At this be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. Okay, and I know we're God's people here today, so let's listen to this prophetic word. My people have committed two evils. One, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. God says, I'm always accessible. I'm always available. All you have to do is come and, and draw from me. Draw from me. And, and instead of doing that, it says that they've honed out for themselves cisterns. They've cisterns of broken cisterns that can hold no water. Instead of drinking from the wells of bubbling life, we've gone and we've put our trust in something that will not sustain us, that will not last. Now, I personally believe that this is a word for, for us today. 
It's a word for us to do some reflection and says that where we can say, am I trying to get life? Am I trying to get strength? Am I trying to get my identity from anything else other than the living God today? Is, there, is, is my work is, or my relationships, is my, what, am I getting my life, my strength, my identity, who I am from anything else other than the living God? I think it's a word for America today. I really do. Okay, where are we drawing our life from? I believe that it's a word for New Covenant Church. I believe it's a word for the, for the body of Christ that once again, we need to come back to a place where the focal, put, well, the focal part of our lives, the central part of our lives is drawing life, is, is being in a right relationship with God Almighty. You see, the only way that we can experience the beauty and the blessing of God in our life is to constantly live in the flow of his life-giving presence. To constantly be living in that flood, constantly drawing from him. And who is that life-giving presence? And if you were in the throne when you heard us talking about it is the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Holy Spirit. You know, throughout the Bible, the Bible continually talks about there being a river of living water that people can come to, come to and they can drink and they f- can find substance and, and for their soul. They can, they can find nourishment and refreshing. And, 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 and that, that's, that's talked about all through the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's multiple times when it's referred to. In the New Testament, it's talked about. Even in the book of Revelation, this was kind of a fresh thing for me to realize. In the book of Revelation, when we go to heaven and the New Jerusalem comes down, do you know that the Bible talks about a river of living water that flows from the temple in the new Jerusalem that will sustain us throughout eternity. If it's good enough for eternity, man, it's good enough for right now. Amen? It really, it really is. In John chapter uh, 17, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, now, when Jesus is saying this, the last day of the great feast, people from all over the world had literally gathered together to celebrate the great feast in the midst of a multitude, ethnic people, different countries, different races, different colors, different languages. Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, if they'll come to me and drink, come to me and drink, and whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, Okay, whoever's thirsty, let him drink. If they believe in me, then what out of his heart will flow rivers of living water? Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. And God makes it clear. He wants us to drink from his well of life-giving water and to be so filled, so filled with his presence, so filled with his life that it just um, it flows out, that we become a well source to other people, that you and I become a well-source to other people. Now, this word, well-source, to me is a very important word, and and I'll I'll tell you why, because um, it's a word that multiple times God has prophesied about New Covenant Church. Corey and I, um, years ago, I don't remember how many years ago now it's been, um, back when we didn't have gray, um, so it's been a long, been a long time, right, um, that uh, we went on a trip, we went to this uh, gathering, and uh, at this gathering up in, in Memphis, I believe it was, uh, and um, this, we were, had a great time and time being together, and, and all of a sudden this man comes up to us and he says, hey, are you guys from East Texas? 
And we said, well, yeah, we, we are. And he said, well, I asked who you were, and somebody said that. And he said, I just wanted to be sure because God said, I, I've got a word for you, and it has to do with wells. I know that there's all kinds of wells, oil wells, gas wells. He said, but, you know, East Texas, and maybe you know this or maybe you don't, East Texas has been a source of, um, of spiritual wells for years and years. There have been worship movements that have come out of uh, East Texas. There have been revivals that have taken place, wells of revival. There have been wells of, um, uh, of missions. You know, there's missions organizations and multiple missions organizations. And, and, and what this guy said, he's looked at us, he says, you know what? You're going to be part of uncapping those wells and seeing a fresh release of those. You're going to become a well source. The New Covenant Church is going to be a well source that, wells, that, that sources others. And I believe that sources our community and sources other churches and, and sources ministries around the world. I, I, I'm believing for impact around the world. Anybody can get you there with me? Anybody believe that's what God's calling us to? I believe that. And, and, and I believe that's how we want to live. How many, if we've got a choice to live empty or to live full and with the life of God, how many people choose full? Okay, a few of us, all right? Some of us choose empty, okay? Anybody, how many people choose full? We all choose, right? We would all make that choice. That's the wise. It's the smart. It's the, the healthy choice. And, but, so the question then comes, if that's what we would choose, how is it that that's not how we continually live? What happens? What goes on? Well, I, I think that, that hopefully this has set the stage a little bit. I think we can get some insight into this from Genesis chapter 26. It's a long chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but Genesis 26 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, all right? So let's dive in. Genesis 26, verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the land. How many people know that right off that famines are not good things, okay? Uh, the, the famine, it's not a good. Isaac, the son of Abraham, he's living in a pagan nation. They're living in this, in this, godless, uh, this godless society. And he was there, the, the way he got there was because there'd been a famine in his father's time and his father moved his family to this area so they could live and dwell and have food. And they did and God was with them and Abraham did a bunch of great things. Now Isaac's in charge of the, of the, of the, the leadership of the people, the tribe, the nation there. And so this famine comes and his life feels threatened. He's not going to have what he's not going to in the famine. The reason there was a famine was because there was a drought. There wasn't rainfall. There wasn't water. There weren't uh, there weren't crops. They couldn't feed their families. They couldn't feed their flocks and their herds. Their, their animals were going to die. They were going to die. So immediately, when the famine, when the trouble shows up, you know what Isaac's response to trouble was? I'm going to run. I'm going to get away. And he gathered his family and he began saying, "We're going to move. We're going to go to Egypt. We're going to go to another place so we can get away from trouble." Anybody ever had that thought? <laughs> Trouble comes, uh, I'm out of here, right? Difficulty comes, I am leaving. Hard times come, and I know that's a sign for me to move. This uh, past week, I was talking to uh, George, uh, um, George Galea. He's a missionary in Romania and just a great guy. And, uh, and I said, hey, brother, it's great talking to you. He said, oh, me too. It's been a while since we've talked. He said, yeah. And I and he said, man, I've been praying for you. And boy, have we been praying for America. The people in Romania <laughs> are praying for America. And I said to him, I said, man, I'm telling you, brother, 
Romania is looking better and better all the time, you know, it really is. And he said, uh, he goes, well, just let me know when you want me to look for some land for you. <laughs> and, uh, how many of us have had those thoughts? I want to run and hide. I want to build a little compound. I want to get away from all the stuff. I want to, I want to live, you know, I don't have to listen to the news. I don't want to have to deal with people. I don't want to have to, what, like, we've said that for your ministry would be great if you didn't have to deal with people. Wouldn't, it, it, wouldn't life be great if you didn't have to deal with people? No, it wouldn't. It'd be terrible, all right? Man, that's the, the greatest thing of life. And so, but difficulty... One of the things we've got to grab hold of, and when we're living dry, this will rise up in us. But when we're living full of the Spirit, this isn't reality, okay? It really isn't. Difficulty does not get to direct our lives. Tough times don't get to control our lives. When, when, when things get bad and things get hard, that doesn't get to define who we are. It doesn't get to define what we do, where we go, how we act, Amen? Because that's not in control of our life. Difficulty does not to get to direct our life. Only God holds that position in our lives. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? So God says, Isaac says, I'm out of here. And God says, uh, excuse me just a second. Can I visit with you? Can I talk to you? And, uh, you know, have you ever had God say, um, that's an interesting thought, but can I talk to you for a minute? You know? And he says this. He says, I don't want you to leave the land. As a matter of fact, in verse 2, he says, And the Lord appeared to him and he said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I tell you. Sojourn. Stay. Stay on the journey. Don't leave the course. Don't, don't, don't try to find a new place. Stay where you're at. Okay. Sojourn in this land and listen to what God says. And can I say from the Lord today that it, this is a word for us. Don't surrender. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay focused on God. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Keep being who you're supposed to be being. And listen to what God says. I will be with you. How many people would rather be with God in troubled times or someplace else without God? Right? I'd rather be with God in terrible, difficult times than on my own, just loading along somewhere. Amen? So difficulty doesn't get to direct our lives. He says, sojourn in the land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring, I will give you all these lands. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, if you leave, you're going to miss the blessing. If you run from trouble, you're going to miss the blessing. But if you'll stay where I've got you, if you'll stay according to my word, then I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your heritage. I'm going to bless you because you walk in obedience. He says, I'll give this, these lands to, you, to your children. I will establish my oath that I swore to Abraham. And listen to this. I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, please don't miss this. Circle it, highlight it, write this down. And in your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Folks, what am I saying today? I'm saying this. I'm saying that sometimes when we pull back and when we shrink back because of difficult times, when we seek easy instead of godly, we're not only robbing ourselves, we're robbing our children and our children's children. We're robbing the generations to come. Now, if God gave you a word like that or me a word like that, how many people think everything from then on, I'm just going to obey God and everything is going to go easy? Never have another problem. The sun will always shine. It's just going to be wonderful. It's just going to be wonderful. 
And it, and it seemed like that was the case with Isaac for a while. I love this verse. It says, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in that same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. Many people know if you're planting in the midst of a famine and in the midst of the drought, some people are going to look at you and say, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. I'm not much of a farmer. Yvette and I killed a plastic plant one time. But I'm telling you, you know, okay, it was a lemon tree. All the lemons fell off of it. But, it's a, but you know what? I, even I would say that's not a good time to plant. Can I tell you when the best time to plant is? It's when the Lord says plant. The best time, right, to do the right thing is when God says to do it. Amen? And so the scripture says the Lord blessed him and he became rich and gained more and more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants. How many people think that's a pretty good deal so far? Right? So everybody should be happy for him. Everybody should be thrilled. Everything should be easy except the enemy in the land. It says this, it says, so the Philistines envied him. You know what the word envy means? It means hated him. They wanted for his destruction. He hadn't done anything wrong to them. He didn't hurt them. But they saw the blessing of God on his life. And just because they saw the blessing of God on his life, they envied him and they hated him and they sought to destroy him. <clears throat> How many people know that, there, that envy and hatred in people's hearts cause them to do hateful things? I, I think we need to remember this. That sometimes it's not, and we need to keep in mind that our enemy, right, is not people. Our enemy is the devil, amen, and he's defeated. And so when people are saying and doing hurtful things and painful things, it's a good thing to remember that that's probably a sign that they're dealing with hurt and pain in their own life. It says, now the Philistines had stopped up and filled, uh, and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to him, the ruler of these pagan Philistine people, the ruler of the, uh, of the, came to him and he said, hey, I want you to get out. You're not welcome here anymore. He was pushing on him to leave what God had told him to stay in. You ever feel any pressures like that going on in our world? We want to push you away from what God has told you to be. We want to push you away from what God has told you to do. But you know what? They don't get to direct our lives. The enemy doesn't get to direct our life. Difficulty doesn't get to direct our life. Tough times don't get to direct our life. Amen? Amen. You know, a few minutes ago during worship, Z came over to me and he said, Hey, Pastor Sam, I really feel like the Lord's speaking something to me. He said, People, somebody needs to hear this today. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. The difficulties won't always be there. The troubled times won't always be there. The hurtful times, the hard times will not always be there. They will come to pass, but God will be there. Amen? Are you thankful for that today? So here's basically what happened. They would go and dig these wells so they could have a source of life. Well, the enemy then came and began to fight with them about the wells. In the uh, Old Testament or in biblical times, still, maybe still this way today, you know, a person could dig a well and they could own the well, but they couldn't own the water. Even if your enemy needed a drink, they were allowed to come and draw out of that well so they could have water. The water's provided for God, and God does wonderful things to the good and to the evil. Amen? He provides for all, of his, for all people. So they, they fought against him, and, and little by little, they'd come to one well, and they'd crush it, they'd, they'd fight over it, and they would move down the road. And so Isaac moved down the road, and then he moved down the road, and he moved down the road. And finally, the Scripture tells us that he came to a place called Rehoboth, 
which means a broad place, a place where there's room to grow, a place where there's room to prosper. And, and for me, I happen to specifically love the word Rehoboth because that's where, uh, on a place in Delaware, Rehoboth Beach, Yvette and I got engaged. So, the, so what we see here is that, that Isaac's servants, one, Isaac, God had blessed him in the midst of famine, in the midst of difficulty, and now more difficulty comes, and they're moving from place to place. And it says that Isaac's servants, came and said to him, hey, we've dug another well, except this time we didn't hit just a little bit of water. We've hit a spring of water. Can I I tell you that sometimes that, that the difficulty that you're dealing with is not punishment, it's not persecution, but it's something that's helping to direct us to a better place, to the place where God wants us to be. Amen? So, so let, let, let me do a little illustration here and talk to you a little bit about um, about wells. Now, this is going to be, um, this is going to represent a well, and it's going to represent the well of our lives. And how many people, there, how many people, is that enough? Do we want that much in our wells? No. No, we want, we want more in our wells, right? So our wells are pretty good wells, and we've dug down, and we've got a flow of life in these wells. Well, what would happen with wells is the enemies would come along, and they would begin to say, we, we don't want you drinking our land. We want to push you out. We want to do bad things to you. So they would take all kinds of uh, different stuff. They would take dirt, and they would take, um, fill it in with rocks and, and, and dirt. And, and so they would just begin to pour stuff into this, uh, into this well. And um, they'd think, well, maybe a little bit of bad stuff, and you'll go away. How, how many t- times have we ever thought that problems that have come into our life, difficulties, and the enemy puts things into our lives. And all of a sudden, that which was pure, that which was a healthy flow, man, all of a sudden our hearts are filled with, uh, with, with bitterness or our hearts were filled with unforgiveness and, and all this kind of stuff. The, the enemy comes and puts difficulties into our lives and, and, and this stuff gets into the well of our life and, and we don't feel uh, good about it anymore. We don't feel like we can drink from the well anymore. We don't feel like it's it's something that's good, and, and sometimes the, the goal, you know, sometimes we're going to have to move over and redig a well, but digging wells is hard work. Redigging wells is hard work. Uh, uh, I mean, people here in, in our area that dig oil well, it's hard work, it's difficult. And, and some of the wells that they would dig in the Middle East, they were 75 to 100 feet deep, and, and they didn't have machines back then, and they had to dig with shovels and you know all kinds of stuff, and they would line the wells as they would go. It was hard work. And, and for the enemy to come in, and can I tell you that the enemy is always looking to sow things into your life that will cause the well of your life. Life, the well of your love. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody and all of a sudden, man, I don't love them anymore, right? Anybody ever had one of your children say, I'm not going to hug you unless you give me my way. If you give me some candy, then I'll give you a hug, all right? Now, I know none of us would ever act like that, right? But, but, I, but I'm telling you, these wells, they get, they get stopped up. They get hard things and difficult things and, and, and offenses and disappointments and discouragements come into our lives. And all of a sudden, we find that these wells, which were once pure, are now polluted. Our thinking is polluted. So the question, I think, comes then, how do we re-dig? How do we re-dig these wells? How do we uh, keep digging? How do we get the flow of God flowing in our lives? How do we open up the wells? 
I don't know about you, but there have been seasons, even in this last uh, season during COVID time and during sickness, where it just felt like, God, where are you? Where's the love? Where's the life? Where's the passion? Where's the hunger? Where's the desire? What do we need to do to redig the wells? You ready? A couple of things. Number one, number one, we guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow, spring up. Okay, that's where life flows from, from our hearts, from our innermost being. And so what we've got to guard is what's going on inside of us, not just the things that are going on around us. Amen? Amen? And if we're always letting the things that are going on around us dictate about what goes on in us, Folks, can I tell you, you're prophesying to your future. You'll never have anything but problems and difficulties. If problems and difficulties can control us, can control our hearts, man, that's, that's not going to be a healthy way to live. So we guard our hearts. We don't let offenses. We don't let bitterness. We don't let unforgiveness dwell in our hearts. Okay, so trouble's going to come. Difficulties are going to come. But we don't have to let it have an impact on our hearts. Amen? Do you hear this this morning? Okay? We don't have to let it impact our, our hearts. And what, I've got to say this. We should not be surprised that difficulties are going to come into our lives. Does anybody read their Bible? Right? I mean, is that, it's, it's a novel thing. Try it sometime. Right? John chapter 15, John chapter 16, Jesus is bringing his disciples to the last days of his life on earth. And he, he, he's sitting down and he tells them both, in both chapters, he said, listen, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. Difficult times are going to come. In this world, you will have troubles and difficulties. Only be not troubled. And throughout John 15 and 16, you know what he kept saying the answer is to the troubles? But the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to lead you and he's going to teach you and he's going to fill you and he's going to be with you and he's going to guide you. And the scripture says he's even going to show you things to come. So when troubles come, we should not be surprised by it. Okay? So we get to say, we get to say, hey, we're not going to fear because we've got the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're not going to give in to anger or to lust or to temptation. Because why? Because we have his Holy Spirit living in us and flooding and rising up in us. So that we can continue to walk in, in victory. The second thing, we're going to seek the Lord with all of our heart. And I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've thought, is it really worth it to seek God? To get up, to pray, to read the Bible, all those things. I've got to tell you. It really is. Jeremiah chapter 29 says this, and, and you all might know this section of scripture. Jeremiah, how many people know Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not evil, plans to bless you. Amen. You know, well, just write, keep on reading and listen to what it says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, sometimes what we do is we just get a little splash in our lives and God says, hey, don't just stop with just a splash. Don't just stop with a drop. Why don't you keep seeking me until there's a flow, until you find me with all of your heart that let me fill your whole life. Let me fill the way you think. Let me fill the way you act. Let me fill the words that you speak. Let me fill your life so full that you love every person. 
the lovable and the unlovable. Anybody know there's some unlovable people? But just because they're unlovable doesn't mean we're not going to love them. Amen? Because we have the flow of God in our lives. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff. Put God first and all the other stuff will be added to you. I love this. Psalm 3410 says, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. They that seek the Lord. You know what that means? It, we have what we need. Now, there's a difference between what we need and what we want, right? Okay? It says, they that seek the Lord, they're going to have what they need. They're going to have the resource. They're going to have the mental capacity. They're going to have the spiritual capacity. They're going to have the financial capacity. They're going to have the relate. They're going to have everything that they need to be who God's called them to be and to do what God's called them to do. Number three, live in the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep walking in the Spirit. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 says this. It says that if we would, um, if when we receive the Holy Spirit, what we need to do is continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is that important for us? Well, you know, our strength runs out. Our ability runs out. But if we'll just say, Holy Spirit, just come and fill me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me and flood my life and wash me. And, and God, just, just do what you need to do in my life. And Lord, there's an endless supply. God doesn't just have three gallons. He has an endless supply. Okay? And we can, come on, let's just say, God, Holy Spirit, just fill us. And Holy Spirit, flood us. And, and God, let us become a well source. Let us, God, let us just be so filled with who you are. God, that it transforms us and makes us pure. And then, God, as you flow in us, let it flow out to everyone around us. Amen? So let's seek the Lord with all of our heart. Let's keep being filled with the Spirit so we can be who God's called us to be, so we can accomplish what he's got us here on planet Earth to do, so we can keep loving God with all of our hearts. We can keep loving him. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that's happening in our world today is that the enemy is accusing God to his sons and to his daughters. God's not fair. God's not good. God doesn't care. God doesn't even know your name. And can I tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to flow in us, he'll dispel that lie. And he'll prove to us that you matter, that God cares about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't taken his eye off you. And God can still fulfill every plan and purpose that he has for your life, no matter what circumstances say. So keep loving God. Keep reading the word. Amen. Keep, keep, keep stay in the word. Base our lives on the word. Know the truth. Know the truth. <laughs> okay. CNN, right? Fox, news, wherever. You, you're not going to get the truth. You're not going to get the whole truth, right? Right? Your neighbor, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, whatever you're on or not on, whatever you're, whatever you're following or whatever you're protesting right now. <laughs> I'm just a, you know what, can I tell you? Where do we get truth? We get truth. Jesus says, I, I, I am the way, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he will come to you and he'll lead you into all truth. Okay? Listen, every issue, racial issues, financial issues, I mean, every social issues, everything, we can find truth. We can find God's truth 
in his word and by his spirit. Keep praying. <laughs> Let me say that. I, I, I've, I've talked with people that have been so dejected and disappointed in, in all kinds of different things in life, whether it's financial situations, political situations, relational situations, that they've really stopped praying. They've stopped believing and trusting God. Can I tell you, don't stop praying. Continue casting your care upon the Lord because he cares for you, and it will come to pass. God will be faithful. He can't be anything but. Amen? Amen? And then, and then so we love God and we love people. We not only know truth, but we live truth. We keep serving, okay? They hurt my feelings. I'm not going to serve them. That's not an option we have. Amen? We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep being who God's called us to be. We're going to keep doing what God's called us to do. We're going to keep allowing his flow to flow in us so that it can flow through us. Folks, we've got a world. We've got a world all around us that is hurting. They're so confused. And what do they need? They need love. They need, they need somebody to come and speak love and truth to them. Listen, if you're... <laughs> Let me say this. We're so concerned with speaking truth, we forget that, that it's got to be qualified by love. Okay? If I just speak truth to somebody to straighten them out, but I don't have a motivation of love to see them benefited and blessed, I'm in the wrong. You're in the wrong when you do that. Okay? I don't care how twittable it is or tweetable it is, or, right? I mean, if it's, if it's love. It's love that's going to transform and change people's lives. Keep forgiving Forgiving. It doesn't matter what they've said. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter. Uh, keep forgiving. Keep, keep, I said earlier, keep praying, praying for the best. For God to work in their life. For God to bless them. For God to change them. Keep forgiving. And I'm going to say this. Keep living the life of heaven here on earth. You and I are called to be the manifestation of what heaven's like right here on earth. And folks, I want everybody to look at me. Let me see your eyes just for a second. I want you to catch this. You know, that as we live, as we live heaven on, and you know what heaven is? The Bible says that the kingdom of God, that heaven is, is not right, it's not a meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We can live right. We can live in peace. We can live with joy. Why? Because all these other things don't get to control us. We get to love people no matter what they do to us. So I just want to, I want to encourage you that you need to know that you may be, whether it's at your workplace or school or neighborhood or family, you may be the only Jesus that some person ever gets to see. Is he seeing is he, is he seeing the flow? Are people seeing that flow, that, that, that flow of life, that flow of love, that flow of joy, that flow of peace, that flow of goodness, that flow of hospitality, that flow of, of serving that's coming through our lives? Are we seeing that today? I believe when this takes place, we'll see the kingdom of God expand. We'll see great things take place. Amen?